post show, it's Ken Griffey, Kenny Lofton, and Jason Kendall. Ooh, that's good. I bet Kendall have some interesting takes. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Rake Your Position, where four lifelong friends are living out their dreams from the comfort of their chairs. I'm Aaron, the host, and guys, after last week, I listened to last week's pod, this is the first time this jersey has been worn. Uh, Where's the signature? Nice. It's in silver, right on the pod. I see it. Yep. yep, yep. I didn't no, want to get that. No, wait, yep. I, I, I didn't see it. Can you try that again? This is going to be riveting for our <laughs> audio listeners. listeners. This is, uh, this yep. is a signed Freddie Freeman jersey. The signed Freddie Freeman jersey. That's the first time on I have worn. <laughs> what uh Dude, you couldn't even put it sweet. on? No, I have not put it on. Did you cry with each arm that you put in the arm holes? <laughs> yes, it is. I watched it with my tears the first time I wore it tonight. Yeah. So I'm the host. Enough about me. Who's next? I'm Joe, the groundskeeper. This next guy up, they say he has a face for radio and a voice for silent film. Uh, I guess that's me. I'm Jaylee the Rover. <laughs> what a weird segue there. Um, but does anybody else, when we're sitting here getting ready to start this, you you picture this the beginning song in your head and imagine what you're supposed to do in that time because that's me every single time so like thanks Ben Sounds for dubstep mm-hmm. if anybody wants to write us a theme song uh, we'd probably take it we're not too picky I'm uh, Corey the Statman uh, and I have a cool hat again check out my hat <laughs> I would say it's cool before we get a new sure. theme song we need I'd appreciate a reinstate stinger because I'm guessing Joe still doesn't have it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, a busy week. And we're calling about every time. Why was it so busy, Joe? You look pretty good there, man. Yeah. Well, r- real quick for our listeners, Corey is going to try to not show his eyes the whole time. He has an extra large Houston hat on. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that's our thumbnail. But I thought something looked um, better today. Yeah. Ooh. Boom. Wow. Well, the th- three of us, the three amigos, ooh, that actually works. The three amigos hit up uh, Kansas City over the weekend, and in the month of what is it? Month is it? September, September. Hispanic <laughs> Heritage Month. Uh, we saw two Kansas City games. They played the Astros both nights. First night, we got a sweet hat. If you tune in on YouTube, you'll see mine. It's kind of glary. It's more like the bright, bright hat. Yellow. Yeah, it's bright mm. yellow rather than dull looking. Uh, and then we got a was this KC Monarchs jersey? I'll stand up for the for the viewers. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, my quick impressions of the trip was, um, it wasn't my favorite ballpark to be honest. I think maybe these other guys disagree with me, but um, they have a lot of fountains in the outfield. Which if you've ever watched Kansas City on TV, you know mm-hmm. that. And um, the scoreboard was cool, but I just think for the outfield, you should have like bleacher seats. And that's that's where I would go sit because I think that's the best seats. Um, it was really in the middle of nowhere, which I've been to Arrowhead, so I already knew that. 
Um, I think one of the other guys made mention that the limited amount of fans were very passionate and definitely let you know that they were there, and they did. the The fans were the fans that were in the stadium, which it was limited. They were um, they were cheering hard, so it was a good time. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. The best- it great stadium. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of blue. <laughs> there um, was a lot of orange, actually. Fountains, fountains, water, uh, spraying. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the gate? What do you think of the entrance that we went in? Uh, I thought the spacing of the verticals on the gate was a little too far apart. I was concerned that kids might get their heads stuck in there. Well, um, Jared did. Yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> Actually, Joe go. broke a fence, so that's all right. <laughs> that's, that's true. But yeah, great stadium. Probably top six for me. Nice. Yep. I'm glad you Thanks, had a good guys. time. Yep. Now, most of my family is my mom's side of the family is from Missouri. A lot of Kansas City fans in my fam- family. And I know they all love the stadium. So I was going into it with pretty high expectations. It was a nice stadium. Um, with it being so open in the background, usually got something cool to look at uh, a river or a skyline. All it was was the amazing Hotel Lotus and an interstate. <laughs> There was there was nothing else to look at, but the home run celebrations were cool. Like the the scoreboard's awesome; it's the shape of the crown, and they got fireworks, and then the the waterfall starts shooting off everywhere. So the celebration was cool. The atmosphere was great, and yeah, echo what Joe said. Awesome fans. Kansas City did well. It's hard to root for a team when you don't even have fifty wins yet, but they got some fun, young, exciting players. Uh, Nelson Velasquez, Corey, might be my new favorite non-brave. That dude, I mean, he doesn't look lost. His swings aren't crazy, but when he hits it, man, and he has good at bats, like he's just putting up good mm-hmm. stats. So it'll be fun to see how good he continues to hit. They had him playing in the outfield instead of DHing. Um, they had other outfielders DHing. So I was surprised by that the first game. But he, yeah, he moves well for being a big dude. Yep. I'd say, I'd say I'm super high on Bobby Witt. Oh, that's a real, you're yeah. really going out on a limb there. We found Joe, that you out. Got anybody sure. else we haven't talked you really into like? it, but. No, Jay Lee, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't think there's much more to say outside of that. Um, I, I definitely the outfield seating, I think is, is a miss, but I mean, when you put in all that water, it kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, but no, the 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 atmosphere was definitely cool i don't know if it was just because they were playing the astros that might have been part of it um but to your point i to me if you add seating in the outfield and you just pick up that stadium and place it in downtown i think it's gonna thrive a lot more to your point of like Mm -hmm. just seeing the surrounding things outside um definitely adds to that uh, but no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think for the short distance it took to kind of get there, it was a definitely cool, cool atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And Joe said it was, uh, celebrate the Negro league, uh, museum and everything, games, players, all that stuff, history. That's the word I'm looking for on Saturday. And we got to go downtown to the museum in the morning mm-hmm. Saturday. And that was just neat. Like learn some stuff that. Uh, I had never known. So, Corey, I got a trivia question for you because you seem Ooh. to know history better than most of us do. Uh, do you know who the first African-American pitcher was for the Dodgers? He debuted like a month after Jackie Robinson did, and I have never heard this name before. 
Okay, well, I, my first question was going to be, is this someone I should know? And it sounds like the answer to that it is It should no. be somebody we know. That, that, that's my point. Probably. Uh, I don't know. Daniel Bankhead. Like, everybody okay. talks about the next no. year where, like, Roy Campanella and all these other guys start making mm-hmm. it. And then Satchel Page gets a lot of love being there in his advanced age. But I'd never heard Daniel Bankhead. And we read that on the wall. And then they did this little, like... 15-minute documentary that we got to sit and watch, narrated by James Earl Jones. Best and voice they don't even, Yeah, they don't even mention it there. <laughs> they just skim right over it. It was weird. But yeah, we Daniel did, Bankhead. So we did go. see a ball in the showcase, in this little thing, Corey. And I want you to know, it said a home run. Guess the distance on what the ball said. 542 feet. No, like 735 feet. <laughs> yeah. Uh what I forget who they said hit it, but yeah, dude, said... I forgot too. I just yeah. saw the ball and I'm like, that's what I think it says. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Jared's like, guys, read this. What does that say? And we're like, mm-hmm. yep, that's what it says. Right. It means so, yeah, so I highly recommend if you catch Kaufman a game at Kaufman Stadium, uh to go check out the Negro League Museum. It is really neat. Um mm-hmm. now Kansas City's announced that they've got a new ballpark design. Not sure. I don't know my Kansas City geography very well, so I don't know where it's going to be in relation. But yeah, it could definitely benefit from atmosphere around it. Um, and just a side note, do you guys see Tampa Bay's new stadium is only going to have thirty thousand seats? I didn't see. Um, I didn't see how many seats. I just saw that they had announced and they put out like a little graphic of it. Yeah, they're staying in St. Pete, which is interesting. And then thirty thousand seats is very small. But I mean, if so you think about it, even when they're dominating like they are now, I, that, I don't think they fill out that stadium. So maybe. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. So I've always just took that as a stadium. I've never been there. So I hear the stadium's not that great and it's in a bad location. So moving it in downtown St. Pete or closer to St. Pete, you'd expect more more fans to come to something new. But I don't yeah, know. That's true. It'll be interesting. I have all seen right, so, all of uh, go ahead. Real quick. I was going to say, I have sent all of our information. Uh, for design details and stuff to the architects. Oh, nice. So mm-hmm. we're waiting to hear on that. And I know we have several designs that we could pitch. So just be ready. Yeah, you know, Tampa St. Pete is like a Bay Area, obviously. Um, you could do your stadium design, Joe, around a bay, like a harbor, instead of fans in center field. You know, your, your stadium design would fit nice. That'd be kind of cool. You know, instead of San Fran, where you have the water out right field, you've got mm-hmm. water down the middle, uh, like in between moat. left and right. Like, yeah, yeah, you got a moat. Fill it with, fill it with carnival. Put all the fans, put all the fans on boats in center field. There you go. That could be interesting. You can pitch that to them. And if you only need thirty thousand seats, there's plenty of room in your stadium design for that. Uh, so quick, plenty look. of, plenty of alligators in Florida to fill it with. Quick look on the uh, Kansas City proposed stadium. They are uh, proposing thirty four thousand to thirty five thousand seats, okay. um, but it it does seem like there's they've got two maybe potential spots: East Village and North Kansas City. But it does one of the things they say is they want to create a uh, ballpark district uh, that can host concerts and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it sounds uh, pretty similar to maybe what's kind of taking place in St. Louis with kind of that whole. Mm-hmm. space um and i think wrigley's doing the same thing with kind of revamping that whole area so yeah i mean it, it'll be interesting 
uh, you know, whenever that gets going, it, it'd probably be worth another trip that, you know, maybe I'll go on. We'll see. Probably not. <laughs> you won't, maybe. but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's a chance. There is a chance. When's, a chance. when's the, the, the Florida one up, like 2026 or something? 2028. 2028. Holy smokes. Corey, so i got a couple of years to get to Tampa yeah. before the new stadium. Corey got a couple of years to build up some vacation. Stop well, switching jobs so you can we'll go see. All righty. So we're going to talk about our rankings. Uh, this should be a little more interesting. The last couple of weeks have been kind of dull. Uh, we've Once again, we've got Braves 1, Orioles 2. Uh, Dodgers and Rays this week. We've got them tied. Uh, they both got two-thirds. They both got two-fourths. And so there's a two-way tie for third. But there's also, first time ever in raking position, raking history, there's a four-way tie for fifth place. Um, I picked Toronto. Uh, I assume, Jared, you got Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. Corey got, has Houston. And Joe picked Seattle. So each person take 30 seconds. To give a pitch why your vote is right starting with jared my vote's right because i looked at the standings and i was like yep that team looks good Nailed and then it. i saw Corey? nope oh, sorry the main thing is, nope the main thing is i saw houston play this weekend and they looked like crap so i didn't vote for ah, there you go Corey. uh i picked the astros because i thought all teams are relatively equal but and when it comes to that i'm going to pick the been there done that been there done what Jared? Uh, one. One a lot in the past Cheated. five years. <laughs> Joe, why Seattle? Pitching, whip, OPS. I like it. Uh, I picked Toronto. We've been keeping an eye on them. They've caught everybody, and I think third place in the AL East is more impressive than first place in the AL West or NL Central. So, Blue Jays. So, there we go. But yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good teams. The races are both. Uh, there's lots of teams sitting outside the playoffs right now that expect to be in the playoffs. So it'll be fun. I'm glad that there's still some races going on to keep uh keep the fan bases energized. With that, we've got a couple special segments. Last week we uh kind of took a bird's eye view of the NL award races, and we said we're going to do the AL today. But two important things caught our attention um, that we wanted to highlight. So we're punting the AL award conversation to next week. So tune in for that. Uh, but we've got two players that we want to highlight. That's going to be some fun conversation. So Joe is going to take it away with our first guy. The year is 2000. All I'll right, listeners. <laughs> All right, listeners. What were you doing in the year 2000? Hmm? Uh, I was eight years old, so yeah, Corey, probably in second grade. Corey, what were you doing? Um, you should probably pooping your diaper. First grade, uh, <laughs> I might have been. Yeah, I, it took I hope not because he's only a year younger it. than me. Yeah. I was enjoying ten, <laughs> ten straight years of penance, looking for a few more, and waiting for some outfield help. Oh, Cooney! Well, that year the Atlanta Braves drafted a guy first first round, 29th overall pick. Three years later, um, he was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, along with Jason Marquis and Ray King. <laughs> Shout out, Ray King. Come on the pod. Ray King. <laughs> Assuming he's... He pitched know, for all doing, of our teams, too. Well. Uh, not many guys have done that. Played for all three of our teams. 
I think Jason Marquis did as well. And Jason Hayward. Ooh. Jason Marquis, the deadly sinker that always rose straight up into the middle of the plate. <laughs> <laughs> In exchange for that package, J.D. Drew and Eli Morero went back. Well, I don't want to spend a huge highlight on this because we talked about him a little bit early in the season. He was one of the older players that Cooney highlighted. Um, and I still don't think he's probably Hall of Fame. He's probably borderline. But um, when that trade went through, so that's 2003, I, I get it. A text. I I so vividly remember this text, and I didn't even know you could text back in two thousand three. Cooney, what were we That's texting I, on? <laughs> dude, Razor I had Mike. a Nokia. I had a Nokia flip phone. That's the first phone I had that could text. Um, and I got it right before we went to college. So we graduated high yeah. school in 03. So I got it at some point that summer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's well, spring. I get, a, I get a text from Cooney. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was like basically, "Hey, thanks for JD Drew for trash." Basically, that's what that said. And and JD Drew, I mean, he had a monster year for Atlanta. Was he there just one year? Yep, cashed he out. He was there, in LA. Yeah, he was there one year, and, well, and finally put it all together with all the talent he had, and never, never quite could do it in St. Louis consistently. Eli's a solid player too. Um, but anyway, the guy we're talking about is is Adam Wainwright. He got his two hundredth win finally the other night. Man, it was looking like he wasn't going to get there with when you give up nine in the first. You know, in half your starts, it's hard to get wins. But he pitched a good game the other night. <laughs> um, I'll kind of end talking about him with my favorite memory, which is probably a lot of Cardinals' favorite memories. Um, I it had to be what? Oh shoot! Now I'm not gonna remember what year it was. One of y'all can probably help me with the year. It's probably like 2000. I think it's 2006 or right around there. But I was at home, probably on break or something from school. Um, I think my brother was home as well, but anyway, it was the year that he uh, struck out Carlos Beltran to to move on to the World Series. Bases, lo- I mean, it was bases loaded, but I don't know if it was bottom of ninth, but ninth inning, full count, and YouTube the curveball that he threw. Beltran did not even swing; totally froze. You know, that's been his money pitch his whole career. So, from all we see, good guy, good teammate, good dad. So it was nice to see him pick up that 200th win, and now he can, I guess, ride off into the sun to that somewhat happy. And he, he's going to have a concert before he does yeah, that. Yeah, right, right off into a music career. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm going to guess that'll be fantastic, but at least he's got baseball. <laughs> Jay Lee, you got any favorite memories? You probably watched uh, this. Yeah, I, I think you can't mention Adam Wainwright without mentioning that one, but I think for me, minor kind of a little bit more recent just because I mean those are on the largest scale um, like heading into the World Series and and being a closer there but one that always sticks out to me is actually like I think a few years ago um, when he was mic'd up I think for um, the night game on Sunday night and he was warming up in the bullpen and he was just doing his normal thing but like really like talking about like what he does and why he does it. And everyone's got to be like superstitious and things like this and still maintaining that composure to like get ready for the game, but also like how important that moment was for other fans and people who are trying to make it in the big leagues to, to do that. And then I think every moment I loved him coming out of the bullpen with Yachty and then like doing their whole thing, giving the fist bump, walking up to the mound. Like um, I, I always thought was super cool. And I mean, I think he alluded to, talking about Wayne last night he goes you know when I got my 200th win he's like the first person I thought I was was Yachty and how much he's meant to my career and what he's done so I always 
when you think of Bueno, you always think of the other. And so I think that's those are always a couple of my biggest memories is just the the partnership that they had for all those years and kind of wishing that Molina could have stuck it out with him to get his two hundredth, but that's that's baseball for you. Was Yadi there? Was there any highlights of him showing up? I don't think he was there at the game, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys said it all. So you're telling me getting 8.3 war from J.D. Drew is not as good as the 44, almost 45 war that Adam Rainwright Adam has put in their Cardinals uniform? The numbers don't lie, so I'm going to say that's no. not That's the not a good trade. The numbers don't lie. Um, Probably, so, though, that's a, He's going to be an icon forever. Yeah. So the cool thing I thought when he tore his Achilles, I think I'm gonna get the right year. Third, he was 36 years old, maybe. Um, you know, that's getting up there to come back from that kind of surgery. And then the f- last four years since then, he's still got 47 wins, six complete games in that time. Um, through average 200 innings the last two years, coming into this year, like he was still getting it done uh, with less stuff. Like he threw mid mid 90s, younger. And I haven't seen him hit 90 in a couple of years. He has an 80. He's barely at 85 this year. But uh, yeah, kudos to him to, to come back and still be that guy. Because we know the Cardinals have struggled with their young pitching, staying healthy and staying effective. And there's old Wayno every fifth day, fifth day. So yeah, I mean, he's kind of there every fifth day. Um, but yeah, I mean, taking a look back on his career. You know, I don't, I don't have the memories because I didn't watch them that closely. But you know, four-time top five Cy Young Award winner, another time in the top ten, um, and a lot of that, you know, he he went up against a pretty good guy we talked about last week that uh, could be the best pitcher in our generation. Could not be, you know, who, who's to say? Um, who who You're finished? Say. Yeah, uh, Sidney Ponson. Uh, yeah, it was a it's it's a tough tough break when. You're really good, and then you've got uh, Mr. Kershaw also pitching in the same league as you during kind of the, the prime years of both of those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely a guy that's seem always seemed like a good guy, a guy I kind of liked watching as a Cubs fan. I, I mean, it just again, like kind of what Jared alluded to is is the the Adam Wainwright and the Adam Molina kind of connection, and just kind of seeing those guys and and them pitching together for so long. It's it's cool and it's nice to see because obviously you know a pitcher's only as good as his catcher and that's why wayno has got a negative <laughs> 2.1 war this year but uh there it is <laughs> there it is 2.83 era in the playoffs too man that's 114 in the third innings and zra is under three in the playoffs that's pretty awesome when they well, had so him be... go ahead Joe. Uh, when they had him and carpenter like when they were both healthy you know wayno's six seven carpenter's six six it was just always not that they're on the field at the same time, obviously, but you know, they would show those guys and they're usually ahead above everybody else because they're so tall. And when they were on and healthy, that, that one, two combo was super beast. Especially so Wayno's first time. So Wayno's first time finishing the top five, he got third Carpenter got second. Tim Linscom won it that year, um, which I think Linscom rightfully. So, Oh, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, the the Hall of Fame discussion I think is interesting, and I think we've maybe had it on air or definitely off air before. But I, I think the big thing for his case is how much 
do you weight the playoff performances? Because if that that could be a, that that could be a pretty good bump for I think some writers is is kind of the clutch playoff stuff. And I you know I compare his career a lot to John Lester's, pretty similar numbers. Um, Wainwright has obviously pitched for a little bit longer. John Lester also ended with his career with two hundred wins, coincidentally enough. Um, but again, you know, you look at the straight regular season stats. And I would say he's probably not there, but you know Wainwright, Lester, two of the guys that if you're in the playoffs, you're going to put them out there for a game seven. You're going to put them out there if you need to win a game. And they're they're both guys that'll come out there on short rest and and you know give it everything they got. Um, not to not to bring this guy back around, but I would I would have I would have put Madison Baumgartner in that discussion. But he's <laughs> I knew it was coming. Seemingly falling off of a, a a horse, maybe would be apt for him this year. Big um, horse, nice. Yeah. So I think but, Lester is a good comp. Well, you got to bring that cubby in there. Um, they both of these guys are like I don't think they'll get voted by the writers because writers will focus more on the stats, but they both seem like guys that will get a lot more attention with, uh, you know, committees, era committees later on and be more likely to be voted in by their peers after the fact. Yep. So I, I wouldn't be upset if they got in. Be a little surprised, but would be happy. With that being weird. said, what's that? It's just weird how, like I did, I had both these guys pulled up. It is weird how similar their careers are. Like, yeah. Lester's also a four-time top five, or only a three-time top five sign, and then another top Got ten. Just... Okay. Talking <laughs> about Hall of Fame, uh, Jared, you look like a Hall of Famer there. What do you got for us? Nick Markakis? Well, yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> guys, what episode are we on? Who's keeping Cuatro. For my non-Spanish-speaking friends, that means 24. Let's talk about the number 24 for a minute. Love the show. I'm not, I'm not talking about, what is that that show? Was that Jack Bauer? Uh, I actually didn't watch it. I just wanted to be. With Sutherland? Yeah, yeah I think Keeper? so. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking oh. about my favorite player. We're talking about your favorite player's favorite player. We're talking about the kid. We're talking about Mr. Ken Griffey Jr. Um. Figured we had to do a little do a little segment for him for being one of the the best to ever do it and the most electrifying one of the most electrifying players I'll ever say. So I wrote down some stuff about our boy Ken Griffey. Some I'm on the pod. Just, please, please, <laughs> I will quit if you yeah, use this I'll, spot. Well, I'll quit away. if you want. If you want our rights to our podcast, we'll all quit. It's just Griffey interviewing himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to rate your position. My name is Ken Griffey Jr. I talk to you about photography. And we get we get a thousand views. A thousand views. But no, I got I got some facts and then I got some questions and see uh see what you guys know. And I, some of the stuff I didn't know, some of the stuff we obviously should know. Um, but here we go. So he was born in a little place called Denora, Pennsylvania. Can anybody tell me the population of that place? Twelve hundred. 532. Uh, 120. You guys are really bad at this already. It's uh, 4,980. 
Oh, Pittsfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that's what I'm saying. Like, size of Pittsfield, you mean none of us became a Hall of Famer? Could you imagine Griffey playing high school ball in Pittsfield? How insane that would be. Like, he would never get a pitch. He would literally get walked every time. Like, why would you throw it in? That's funny. That's awesome. Um, But why I write, write this down, one for the, it's kind of close to the state, or the state, LOL, the town of Pittsfield. Someone else was also from this town. Anybody want to take Admiral this? Akbar. Sure. Mike nope. Schmidt. Nope. That's another Hall of Famer, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oral Hersizer. It is not. It is. He's not Hall of Famer. Our boy, Stan the Man. Stan the Man. Uh, kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. So I thought I that was super cool. Um, did you also know that Mr. Griffey was the first overall pick? To be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I did. Because That's I know who's cool. number two. Who's that? Chipper Jones. Oh, so we don't know that guy. Um, who? Never heard of him. Chipper Jones. Larry Wayne Jones Jr. Oh, see, I recognize, I know that guy. Yeah. I didn't know he went by Chipper. So obviously, um, one of the big things about him was him and his father played same team, same game. Obviously, they homered after each other, blah, blah, blah. Can you tell me the other father-son duo that has done that. Not homered, but played in the same game. Can you give me They're both outfielders as well? I believe these guys played for the Pirates. Don't quote me on that. I didn't write any of that down. I just wrote their names. Bonds. Yeah. Mm -mm. Oh, the Stargels. Mm -mm. I don't know these people. So... But it was in the year 2000. Tim Raines, oh, Tim Raines Jr. Oh, nice. Yeah, Tim just got in the Hall of Fame. Tim Raines Jr. Yeah. Quite cut it. Tim, you, know, you know Tim. One of, one of the two Tims. <laughs> yeah. One of, the, one of the Tims. I didn't All realize right. Tim Raines was playing that long. For sure. So, Griffey homered in 44 ballparks. And we Who's the... Them? Who I'll name all of them. Who is the <laughs> only player to Hilmer and Miller? Oh, wow. good question. Did, did nobody hear it? my answer? Oh, is no, it? sorry. That's wrong. That's why I didn't. That's, there's no way that's right. <laughs> Mark McGuire. Uh, Barry. Wrong. He was going to be my second one. Wrong. Corey, I'm disappointed. It's Sammy Sosa with 45. Really? Mm-hmm. That's I don't know Cubs surprising. trivia, obviously, is what we've come to find out from recording the key there. I picked McGuire because he played in both leagues. There wasn't. And that's why I inter- picked Pools. Interleague. There's interleague at that point, so I don't know. You don't quite play. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You really did the, my excited voice there, Joe. <laughs> I did. I'm either picking up a that's good or a good bad one. Man, these know. are good questions. We're horrible at this. Well, Griffey was the first member of the Hall of Fame to record at least 40 home runs in a season for both leagues. How many times sure. did he do it with each team? So it's not true or false, Darth. <laughs> no. So how many times with the Mariners and how many times with the Reds? So wait, 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 wait. What's the question again? So he didn't do it with anybody else. So you're telling me. So Griffey was the first. Griffey was the first member of the Hall of Fame to record at least 40 home runs in a season for both leagues. How many times with each team? So the two teams he did it with were the Mariners and the Reds. So how many seasons did he have 40 more homers? With Six with the Mariners, three with the Reds. 
I got five and three. I'll okay. say seven and three. I was going to say six, but Corey so already said Corey that. was right with the six I was... with the Mariners, but only one with the Reds, which is what surprised me. Yeah, I was wondering. I was... Hmm. So he did do it with the White Sox then? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Poor White Sox. Um, let me go to some other things here. Dude, these are good. We're over a billion, but. So this is just a random fact that I did not know, but he was the first player to wear the Mariners cap into the Hall of Fame. Huh. Did not know that. Um, you just the wanna... only one. <laughs> no, one of the did. one of the you just said it, but um, I had I wrote down because I didn't I forgot about the other team, but I wrote down what teams did he play for. But you just said all of them, so there's we don't need to do that anymore. Um, and then just some cool little little things here. He had international deals with Nike and Nintendo, which makes sense for the game that he had. So that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense there. Um, can you tell me? I only named two of the shows. Can you tell me two? I think there's like six shows that he um appeared on. Can you name at least two of them? Fresh like Prince. Movies? Fresh Prince is one of them. Because he's in uh, Little Big League. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Joe, you got anything? Garfield. <laughs> it wasn't on the facts page. Power Rangers. Right. <laughs> no. Um, the other one I wrote down was The Simpsons. Everyone's on The Simpsons, man. Oh, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, let me flip back to my other page here. Man, I wrote. I, wrote, I did my homework. Take notes so, like I do. Yeah. It's really crazy. It's one, one note per page. <laughs> yep. How many All-Star games was he in? Oh, 12. man. 14. 10. 13. Man, we're bad. (laughs) What year did he win the MVP? 2000. 98. 98. 99. 97. So close. Maybe we should. Almost there, guys. Um, (laughs) Well, I didn't know the right answers. How many gold gloves? James Earl Jones' voice. What was that? How many gold gloves? What'd you say, Joe? Sorry. Mm, I said 10. I probably shot high. Five. Okay. Did Corey say one? We didn't hear Corey. I said six. Oh, oh okay, sorry. I did not hear you. I, I apologize. No, you're fine. Um, it was 10. Hey! Who was he tied with? What did I win? Who was he tied with? What do you mean? Uh-huh. Jim Edmonds? Okay. Andrew Jones? Nah, Jimmy had like, not that many. Andrew had 10 um, straight, so Kenny Lofton. Lofton. Maybe Kenny Lofton and King Griffey can come on at the same time. Yeah. I love Kenny Lofton. Um, but the answer is yes, Mr. Andrew Jones. Um who's the player that has more than them? And In how many field? do they have? For outfield or center field, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Outfield. Okay. Just in general, outfield? It's Willie Mays and he has 14. I'm guessing. I was going to say Mays. I didn't know what the number was, but uh, Juan Pierre with 11. Manny Ramirez has 22. <laughs> Surpri- surprisingly, yeah, it's Juan Pierre. No, it's Willie Mays, and he had 12. 12. All right. This is one of my favorite ones because it makes you guys think a little bit. Obviously, you guys are doing great at that. Yeah, Willie Mays. That's my first one. He's one of six home run derby winners to be enshrined. Name the other five. Oh, they're all steroid users. Then they're not, not none in. of those got in. I know. Mm, 
Not all of them. Let's go one at a time. Corey, go first. Name one. Uh, Vlad Sr. Do you want me to tell but if it's right around? Yeah, on? yeah. Give us. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that is one of them. You go next, Joe. <laughs> no, I'm di- I'm diagonal. I can't go next. Oh, um, gosh. Uh, dude, I got I got nobody. Um, uh, thank you. I'll say. <laughs> He won the the battle, the home run battles all the time. I'll say, I don't think this guy ever did it, but I'll say Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas is one. Yeah. Did he do it? Okay. Uh, Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey's not on here. I want you to check your sources. There's some sweet battles between Frank Thomas and Griffey in the home run derby. That's a good call. I'm out. And so I did I not go, check my go sources, go Corey. So if you can prove or, that I'm wrong, I'll accept it. Uh, Joe, name another. I think it's just can free for all. Another? If anybody's got a name, just name a name. Yeah. So you guys got two of the five. Edgar so Martinez. Nope. I'm out. Oh, for two. We're bad at this. Whenever you want me to move on, just let me know. Yeah, move on. Good baseball <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That's why all we're right, we'll move on. Out. Andre Dawson. Corey gets none of them right. Nope. Yeah. Listen to Ryan Sandberg. <laughs> Oopsie. And Cal Ripken Jr. And Ron Santo. Oh. Oh. And then Griffey is the Cal only Ripken. multi-derby winner to be enshrined. Nice. Let's move on here. <clears throat> we should know some of these because we've This is my favorite this. segment, but it makes us look really stupid. So thanks, Jerry. You're welcome. Yes, we we've played... got 20, 23 other episodes of us looking stupid. So, you know, we've played that we're talking before. About <laughs> so, what was Griffey's career war? Uh, I've got it in front of me, so I won't say. So, you have all yeah, the I... stats in front of you? No, I hope I don't. I, I, no, I've got war. One of my trivia questions will be war. Okay, gotcha. I, I feel like we did him during the war game, and I gave him like Babe Ruth numbers, so I should probably mm-hmm. shoot lower because his defense um, is not say... rated well. Really? Um, I'll go 79.6. 90. 83.8. Oh. How many homers? Wow. 661. 636. And you're not looking at this, Cooney? No, I've just got war in front of me. I can show you my screen if you want. But six, um, six... Yeah, I, know, I know he's over 600, but I don't know. 637. That's everybody. 630. Ooh. Mm. Dang. Um, but Come that's on, all Ken. I really got, guys. Outside of that, it's just more like little little stats and things like that. So I, I thought it was really cool to dive deep and I know we didn't answer the questions the best, but um <laughs> that we it's know. cool to cool to get through some of that. And um, I mean, for me, I mean obviously. I was a super little kid when Griffey was, you know, first cup and stuff. But um, I'll say it again. I think Griffey's what made me fall in love with baseball. Uh, I, I think just what he's brought to the game, uh, how he played it, just always seemed to have fun with it. Turn the hat backwards. I mean, there's so many, you know, iconic moments. And then to him getting his own shoe deal. And I mean, now the even the shoes now is coming back. Um, They're Air Griffey Max. So, um 
anything else to add to that? Cause that's all I really got from Mr. Griffey. I just wanted to, you know, give him his, his flowers. Cause I mean, it's what we have a baseball podcast and got to talk about one of the best. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, grown up. That's the guy that you, you gravitate towards. Slugfest was, was a, a greatest of all time game. And, you know, even not being left-handed, you, you go up there and do the wiggle and then just do the, the big old, the big old swing and drop the bat. And yeah. Iconic. I mean, he's, he's wish he stayed on the field. He's awesome. My my memories are probably a little bit different. So I never played the game. I never followed him in Seattle. So really what I remember, unfortunately, is his years with the Reds when he got to the NL Central. And that was a lot of him being hurt. And mm-hmm. he hurt his knees. He got old man knees. And he seemed like if you go back and look at his Seattle years, he was I mean, he was still good with Cincy, but he was like a shell of the player he was. So it wasn't until my later years that I really, you know, through, I don't know, YouTube or just discussion, really understood how stinking good he was coming up and started so young and the athleticism, the hitting and all that stuff. So it was a little sad that he got to Cincy and, if you could have replicated Seattle with Cincy, you know, we're talking probably greatest player of all time, but um, we all get old, start falling apart. So that happened to him maybe Preach. a little quicker than, than we, than we wanted it to. And um, re- real quick, a couple other things I had written down about him is also when we were growing up, there was very much a, a love hate team. I think all sports have that one team that, you either love them or you hate them. And then a bunch of other teams that, you know, you don't care about them unless you're a fan. Well, late nineties, early two thousands, there was the evil empire. There was Darth Vader running a team <laughs> and that was the New York Yankees. So the reason I bring that up is I always love Griffey's um, quote of if the lanky lankies, <laughs> it's really tall guys <laughs> to play for that team. <laughs> if the Yankees, I hope so. I hope they're not guys. If the Yankees were the last team on earth and they offered me a contract, I would not play for them because they kind of did some not so good things when he was, when his dad was there and he was a kid and whatnot. So I was like, any guy that says <laughs> that I'm like, you know, cause I was against the Yankees back in the day too. Cause they spent all the money and they won all the time. So I was like, you know, go Griffey, stick it to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Griffey, I mean, you think about 90s sports stars, like Griffey brought the baseball world into culture like Jordan did with basketball. They were both everywhere, and um, kids that didn't even care about baseball knew about Griffey. I mean, he's got his own line of shirts still to this day and hats for baseballism. It's just just iconic. Like you know who that is, and there's not even a face on there. There's eye black and a backwards hat. I'm like, oh, that's Griffey. Like just mm-hmm. just iconic. Uh, I thankfully had two my, my neighbors. There's two guys that lived right next to me. One was a Sox fan, loved Frank Thomas. The other one was a Griffey fan. They're both older than me, so like from a young age, I followed those teams because my buddies were following those teams. So I got to watch a lot of a lot of Griffey when when he was healthy. And that's the sad thing. Like the way he played the game made him so fun to watch, and that's why. <laughs> 
he didn't play well in Cincy or couldn't stay healthy in Cincy, but you wouldn't have it any other way because that Seattle team throughout the 90s uh, was so much fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, kudos to that. I've got a couple of other trivia questions to piggyback off that um, about about the number 24. So it's just, just 24th episode, Griffey wore 24 almost his whole career. Um, and so these, these trivia questions are about the number 24. So counting players who wore number 24 for at least 10 years of their playing career, so over half their playing career, name the top five war by those players. Now, Griffey was number three at 83.8. So there are two guys ahead of him and two guys behind him. So, Corey, who's number one? Or name one of them. I don't care who you are. uh, Willie Mays. Willie Mays is number one at 156.1. Pretty good. All right. Jared, can you give me one of them? More number 24 for the majority of their career. This is not war in those jerseys, but... One of them, I think, played for a lot of teams. That narrows it down. And they're all like, you know these guys by one A lot one of name. green. <laughs> Wore green for a lot of years. One is still playing. One is not officially retired, but it's not currently active. I got nothing to move on. You, Yo, you, got one? Um, you could give me 100,000 guesses on this, and you know I'm not going to guess anybody <laughs> He doesn't that know has... jerseys. Corey, who um, I mean, you say green, so I think like Reggie Jackson, but nope. Look close. Uh, Ricky today. Yeah, Ricky is number two, 111. Uh, <laughs> how's that? How's that? The base. The base. No, 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 no. Uh, I myself the, the luckiest man. <laughs> That's why I was saying that. That's not Griffey I was at number three. The Star Wars Sam people. Make Miggy. Miggy is number six. So, yeah, pretty really? much since Griffey was right there. Yeah. He's not the active guy on that list. He is the active guy. The other guy. Oh, is... okay. So you're, you included six for five people. Yeah, because Griffey, you got Griffey. Cano is number five still at 68.1. Rick, uh, Rick Ankiel. And then Manny Ramirez is number four mm, at 69.3. All right. So, talking about number play. 24. Where does number 24 rank in all-time war by a jersey number? <laughs> um, this is fun. Second. You know how low my you know, IQ is? <laughs> you know how much we love war talk on this game? You, for one, should not ask us questions. You hate war. Dude, I just I just went down a rabbit hole looking at who wore number 24. So second, Corey, where do you think, Jared? I mean, we got fourth. Maze, Griffey, Ricky. Is it fourth, Joe? Third. It is fifth, but you I Cardinals went. guys will like this. Number one is number five. Number five has 1,989 war. That's Pujols, Bench, Brooks Robertson, George Brett. Number 24 is at 1,835. So over a 1,000 war difference there. No big deal. So you go. There's some fun extra facts about the Jersey 24. Who? What we got next? Are we to our favorite segment in the world? Well, here's here's a last little bit of stat for Griffey okay. at number twenty four, because I was ju- I went through so so Griffey's first season in Cincy was his age thirty season, so basically all his years or ten years in Seattle, one year in Cincy. So through his age thirty season, he had four hundred and thirty eight home runs, which is 
outrageous. As mm-hmm. a point of comparison, Mike Trout through his age 30 season, 350. So he had 88 more home runs than Mike Trout. Barry Bonds through his age 30 season. This is very telling. 292. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Um, yeah. So uh, I just picked a couple guys just to kind of give you a, a point of comparison there. But like, you, just to, again, Joe kind of talking about how if he could have replicated in any sort of similarities the the years he had in Seattle for a few more he would have 800 like, home runs yeah, yeah i mean easily greatest of all time sort of stuff uh, and and never had the uh, steroid uh asterisk by any mm-hmm. any sort of anything he did so um but yes now let's let's get on to appreciate or reinstate so joe if you want to go ahead and take your bathroom break we could just kind of riff for <laughs> a little a, bit i was about ready to get out of my chair and walk away so, no, on this, um, I hope this one creates some good discussion because it's it's about baseball, so we should discuss oh, it anyway. Good. That's a good uh, idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, on this episode of Appreciator Reinstate, which if you're just now tuning in to this segment, this is where we look at some some things that used to be in the game that are either no longer in the game or maybe much less prevalent. And do we appreciate that it used to be a part of the game or do we through massive social media influence, try to get these things reinstated into the game? Um, Jay Lee, what are some things we've looked at so far? I think last week we looked at the old knuckleball Um, Mm -hmm. week prior, I believe was stadiums, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Old timey stadiums. Oh, then our lovely, lovely steroid talk. Correct. Uh, and we've had a lovely. we've had a few more thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Crazy uh, pitching deliveries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we've pretty pretty well been overwhelmingly uh, reinstate to reinstate everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think this. I think I may have one that we decided to appreciate because it's definitely. Jay Lee's going to disagree there, but this is definitely dying out of the game and has been uh, for this graph I'm looking at probably about the last 15 or so years. Rules have changed. Times have changed. And it's a different time. (laughs) They've changed, I've heard. (laughs) Times have changed for sure. Anyway, the times. Yeah. Hey, Corey. Yes, Joe. I'm gonna give you a scenario. You're the okay. main. Hit me. I'll be right there. I know. You're the. You're the main character in this story. Okay. Okay. Let me. Okay. Should I? Should I put on a cool jacket? You can put on a hat. All right. So envision this ball player. They're O for their past forty-eight. At the plate. Uh-huh. There's a reason. <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> Corey has put on his Houston hat again, and his eyes are now closed or covered. So what's something you might do to try to break out of that slump? It could be in the batter's uh, box. It could be in the dugout. What's Give me an idea. Yeah, Judy's yeah. laying on a trash can. <laughs> um, what's something you might do? Probably because uh, what they say, uh, I don't know if I can say that on the pod. Um, 
I'd probably change my bat, change my equipment, because it's probably the equipment's fault and it's not my fault. I got I got to mm-hmm. fault the equipment because um, okay. everybody knows I'm good, so it must be something else's fault. Um, okay, now, now the other way, I'm not. I'm no. You might be getting to this, so go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say in this in this story, you're not slow and right-handed you actually have a bit of speed and you, you sure. you're a switch hitter so there's a righty on the mound mm-hmm. okay yeah listeners what do you think and let's see what Corey has to say uh should i maybe i try hitting right-handed against the right-handed pitcher i don't know what's happening Drag does bunt? anybody know where you, this is going talk about bunting you, you bunt i'm talking i'm talking about bunting I know yeah. it's not the most glamorous topic, you know. I don't ever bunt. We're not unless it's a squeeze. Well, that's still bunting. Yeah, so well. when we were in KC, I there was there was some bunting going on. Not a lot, but man, it seems like whenever I watch a game, which has been limited, Cardinals are eighty games below five hundred. You don't see bunts anymore. Even sacrifice bunts. Um, I know the pitchers no longer bat, so obviously that's going to drastically just decrease. Um, the shift has went away, but even when the shift was there, we were not seeing bunting. Um, as a kid, you know, you grow up with learn the fundamentals and bunting, at least all the teams I was on bunting was like a little bit of a priority to both practice and then implement in the games, uh, moving runners over, trying to get hits, put the ball in play, make the other team make a play. So, yeah, I was just curious about what your guys thoughts are. It's a little obvious as to why it's going away, I think. But maybe what your thoughts are about possibly trying to reinstate that. Or if you have any really good memories of some sweet bunts you laid down, um, you know, fill us in with that as well. But what do you all think about the bunt? I have I have a, a screen share to, for this. So if somebody... If you guys would like to go first, so I can share my screen and give you my my explanation, I'd appreciate it. Can't wait, can't wait to see that. Uh, I'll go ahead and go. I'm I'm a reinstate all the way. Like I think it's part of the game, and you can use it now. The only time I'll tell you to never bunt is if someone's throwing a no hitter and you're trying to break it up that way. Like I'm talking like in the ninth inning. That's the only be time that I do guy. bunt. <laughs> yeah, don't be that guy. Um, but for me, um, wasn't always the, I wasn't the best hitter. So I think bunting was a form and I knew I had speed, um, try to use it to get on base any way that you can. Um, if coach Schultz is still listening, I know that he would always, when he'd give you the bunt sign, your job was to get the bunt down and then you worry about getting on base. Yeah. Sorry, coach. You're hearing her first. I was always trying to get on base. (laughs) I ain't worried about where that ball's going. Probably even slid into first at first a few times and I got scolded for that. But um I don't know. For me, bunting is a part of it because not everybody's a home run hitter, you know? So I think it's also it can be an exciting thing. And I mean what makes highlights too is the bunt the perfect bunt down the line. Like that's always going to make sports center. That's always going to be like watch this bunt and it just trickles right down the line. So I'm a big fan. Reinstate it. Keep it going. That's why I just for, for the bunt. Just for a little more context, sorry. Um the bunt is roughly down like 66% over the last 
70 years. Repeating, I know of course. Like, I Bring know it back. Repeating, of course. Yeah. Time's up. Let's do this. I um, think the Braves had their first bunt of the year in like game 160 last year. And then this year they've got like one or two, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they all, all they do is hit bombs. So it doesn't matter. But have you seen the. <laughs> I think it's We're a Japanese league. We're not talking about the Braves. We're talking about bunting. If you hit homers like the Braves, you don't need to bunt. Uh, have you seen the Japanese league that has a bunting competition at the All Star game? Mm-hmm. Like, that's wild. <laughs> that's I have so not, cool. No. They have little targets and they try to just lay the bunt down, make the ball stop there. Uh, yeah, I think it's effective to make the other team make a play. There's there's something to that. Just putting the ball in play any way you can, put the pressure on the other team. And I think, too, with like higher velocity, we talked about crazy deliveries the other day, a couple weeks ago. But in general, p- player pitchers are not ready to feel their position, I don't think. Like, I don't know. Talk about the Braves again, but. I grew up Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz. They were all gold glove winners. They were all ready to field as soon as the ball came off. I'm thinking like Strider. Strider's spinning all the way around. He's still a good athlete, but he's not ready. Um, like, And he's not even the most extreme case. And so, yeah, I think put pressure on him. If it's, if speed's your game, then why would you not? Like, Why would you try to out-hit people when speed's your game? So reinstate it. Did we nice. stall long enough, Corey? Yeah, no, I mean, I was ready. I just wanted to, you guys to get your time here. Uh, I am going to appreciate it and leave it in the past. Uh, and that is going he to would. be. He's um, got some fancy stats about how statistics over it's, here. Yeah, uh, it's you ne- guys negative see the, play. the run expectancy chart. The run expectancy already board. matrix. Um, so on the top, you have number of outs in the inning. And then on the left, you have where the base runners are. Um, so listeners, I'm going to do my best to weave you a story here. <laughs> Um, if you've got a guy on first, the main and character? sure. Uh, I'm not really going to ask you to do anything because no, he needs a runner on base. Joe, base. Can't be you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it basically a run expectancy chart uh, tells you what the average number of runs scored are for every situation at a certain period in time. So at the beginning of an inning, with nobody on and nobody out. The average runs scored in that inning are 0.476 runs. Uh, that bumps up to, with a runner on first and zero outs, 0.865 runs per inning. So you got a guy on first and no outs. That's a walk. Do? It probably is. Blake Snell's on the mound. Um, if you lay down a bunt, what happens is you go... From a 0.865 run expectancy with a runner on first and zero outs to down to a 0.667 run expectancy with a runner on second and one out. So basically, you are lessening the average energy score in that inning by 0.2 runs. Um, That being said, you obviously cannot guarantee that out. so that you you could let's say you do lay down a great bunt or it's you force somebody to make a play and they don't do it you're kind of if no one gets out your your worst case scenario in that case is a runner on first and second with zero outs and your run expectancy goes up to 1.435 so i would say appreciate it appreciate the purely sacrifice bunts if you get a guy on first with no outs and you have a guy up that has speed and has an ability to bunt maybe 
But if you're going up there to essentially just give yourself up, leave that in the past because you are costing your team chances it runs essentially. So I want I want to highlight something real quick for Joe. Um, I know this is a passionate topic of his. Uh, no outs, bases loaded. Yes. How many <laughs> runs should you score with no outs and bases loaded? Uh, Minimum yeah, so of no, two. Yeah, no outs and bases loaded. Breakdown. Yeah, the Cardinals break down on this. I don't, but uh, they, did no get, they did get the memo. And bases loaded. The average team scores 2.367 runs per inning. Um, <laughs> the Cardinals is in the top right corner of that category. Oh, they got the chart upside down in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to go tell Ollie, hey, flip that over, buddy. You got it backwards. Uh, I wonder if they so looked at this. No, finish your thing, Corey. Sorry. No, I was just going to say statistically, you should not bunt expecting to get out. Essentially. That, yeah, that's I'm with you on that. I wonder what bunt the... with a good bunter. Yeah. Fast guy. Yeah. I wonder what the. I'm trying to do a sacrifice, but oh, I got lucky and got on base. You know, I wonder what that percentage is. It's probably 10% or lower, but um, like you said, that would play into it a little bit. Um, yep. So that's that's my screen share. Don't bunt. But, you know, I think I think a little bit with reinstating this stuff is you start you start catering your game a little bit more to that part of the game. You know, you devote more time to that. Um, so you get better at you know, pushing it past the pitcher and into third base and you get on or you drag bunt and you push it past the pitcher towards the second baseman and you get on. It's got to be tough to to bunt the ball where you want with curveballs and yada, yada, yada. But I'm thinking if you're getting fastballs, you could become a decent bunter. I'm also just saying, Start think about the maybe. reinstate. You dedicate time to that craft. You got Jim Tomey coming up. He's either going to hit a monster bomb or lay one right down the line. Think about that for a second. <laughs> you don't know what he's going to do. I like a good top. Is anybody going to hit a home run? Yeah, probably. if you're if you're looking like Jim Tomey, you're probably going to swing for the fence. <laughs> um, come on, Pod Jim. Does anybody have any um? Like, hey, I laid down a sweet bunt and um, did something cool story. Got the opposite. All right, let's well, hear it. I guess, I guess it's not the opposite. One of my favorite memories, it involves Van Street again, always does. Senior <laughs> year, Van Street's playing third base, and I think Smitty was on second. Somebody was on second. I assume it was Smitty. He was always on second. I come up, nobody out, and all I hear is Van Street start yelling, watch the bunt, watch the bunt, watch the bunt. For listeners out there, and Van Stream is one of our best friends, me and Joe's best friend, and he uh, moved to a rival high school senior year, so we played against him. He's playing third base, and I look over, and he's on our grass. Like, we had a grass infield. He's playing in, fully expecting to bunt. Drew Wables on the mound by their best pitcher that year, and I squared to bunt and pull it back into a butcher boy, and Drew just throws me a cookie, and I almost hit a homer off of it. And I just, I just remember rubbing that in Van Street's face. And so I asked him afterwards, he goes, yeah, Drew saw you square, had it in a curveball grip, and then didn't break it off, just threw it to to give me a pitch to bunt for some reason. So it was supposed to be a curveball. He saw me square, just laid it in there, and I almost hit it out. And I, at that point, I had never hit a home run. So it would have been amazing. So that was fun. So being a good bunter worked 
in my favor at that point when everybody was expecting me to bunt and I didn't. Shades of David Eckstein there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. heck yeah. I think for me, just bunting in in high school, the I mean the play we had set up for the squeeze was just it's always a cool moment, you know, like you give the sign to each other and then getting it down, like because there's just a thing of like knowing if you don't yeah. The whole dugout is like they know what's happening, but they're trying to like hold their anxiety of like and oh, then the anxiety way. of the pitch coming in and knowing that I have to get this down regardless. So you're or jumping you're across benched. the plate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not playing anymore, you know. <laughs> so the excitement of uh of getting it down um and scoring that run is uh is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't have any particulars, but I, we we were a team that did suicide squeeze a lot. So there are <laughs> there are I do remember a lot of suicide squeeze bunts that got down on just outrageous pitches because mm-hmm. i mean like we I, I don't know if we practiced it felt like we practiced bunting a lot um and that might just be what people do but um yeah but there's, there's, bunting. oh yeah yeah but i mean like like people jumping or something or like basically yeah. throwing a bat on an outside pitch to like just get something on the ball I mean, um yeah, that'd be our some of our practices. He'd be like, "All right, everybody's got to get this down, or you got to take a lap." And Coach Schultz yeah. would just throw the most ridiculous pitch ever. So you'd have to learn to like adjust to try to mm-hmm. butt it wherever that ball is coming in at. So, Corey, what's your recollection of playing defense while the the team is bunting? You had a lot of innings behind the plate. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's we had good, uh, good. We had a good third baseman. It was Clint's younger brother, Brad. Um, so he, uh, oh, he, co- yeah, he, he covered some ground pretty good. Also had a good arm. And it's like, as a catcher, it's a, you're nothing is, you're never in a good spot. Like you, you do to, to make a throw. Um, I don't have any fond memories. The, like the fun ones were like pop ups, like that you could get to. Cause usually what happens is the, like the runner is anticipating you know, a bunt getting down, especially even after contact, like once the contact happens, the runner is kind of leaning. And so you, you, you'd have a chance at kind of some double plays there, but I mean, there's no, no, no fun or outrageous plays that I did on like bunts that actually got down. It was, it was more fun on the, uh, the kind of pop-up stuff. Cool. 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 Well, listeners, um, comment, let us know what you think about the bunt. If you got any cool stories, let us know. And um, I think we got another reinstate here. I'm on the I'm on board, and we're three for four. Corey stats mean nothing, and uh, let's start teaching our kids how to bunt. I'm looking up something real quick, so stall for five seconds. Okay, two. Well, this is not how you stall. Did you guys find a radar gun on your trip? No, I wouldn't let him do it because I was already hurting. It was in a little kick section. We honestly weren't for sure oh, we were supposed yeah, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah we found like one, but we don't think we were like supposed to do it. Yeah. Four feet well, under you you could have broken it or something. All right, I'm so here you go. There. I got I got what I needed. Uh, this is beyondtheboxscore.com, so I hope they're super reputable because I'm putting my reputation on it. Top 10 bunters with bases empty, career hit percentage. So these are the guys that are the best at hey. bunting for a hit all time. Here we go. Uh, Pete Luis Rose is number Castillo. 10. Uh, uh, you won't know these names. Pete Rose is number here. 10. He was successful 69.9% of the time. So if nice. he bunted every time the bases were empty, he'd have a 700 batting average when they'll be on base. So why not do it? 
Uh, Tommy Harper, number two, or number nine, sorry. Veda Pinson, good old Veda, number eight. Rod Carew, yeah. successful 72% of the time. Matty Alou, 74% of the time. Um, number one all-time, Lee Mazzilli was successful, mm. 35 for 40, 35 out of 40. Good old Lee. Could cook a good spaghetti. Yeah, Rod Carew had the most. Rod Carew was 91 for 126 at 72%. So there you go. That's bases, bases empty, getting hits. Well, well, sometimes. Again, very small sample sizes. You're talking about 100, 100 at-bats. They should have done it more. Over if a, I do something 100 times and I'm successful at it 70% of the time, I'm doing it every time. Okay, then you're still only seventy percent successful. It depends what you're doing. That's not all a very the good fame hitters are thirty percent successful. I'm just saying it. NBA yeah. three point shooters are forty percent successful okay, in sports. I'm talking about QB regular QB everyday completion things that you percentage. Ninety nine percent successful at. We're talking about sports. If okay. I'm seventy percent right. successful in a sporting event, should do it every time. Rod Burgundy, like like fielding. Seventy <laughs> percent successful at fielding. You want to do that? If I'm in the bigs, sure. If you if you're hitting seventy <laughs> bombs, I'm putting you in. <laughs> if I'm batting seven hundred, I'll fi- they'll find a spot for me. If I'm fielding seventy well, percent, yeah, I think they. Uh, I think they said something about that. Or I'll be the or... weakest DH in the world. One of the two. DH with a seven hundred batting average, seven hundred slugging percentage. Be great. There you go. Um. All right. Let's get to weekend predictions. From from last week. Um, Jared. What up? You got an over. Mm. Sorry. Um, Aaron and I tied. In a good way? Um, No. In a pretty bad way. In about the worst way you could have. It's okay. I shot uh-huh. like a plus twenty two at Top Golf, so it all makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, Corey, I got a question for you. you ever played Top Golf? I have. Did you know there's buildings out with us in the virtual Top Golf courses? What I found, I found some buildings on the virtual Top Golf course. Yeah, had some bad shots. They weren't on the what? fairway. Joe found some roads. <laughs> what are you guys doing? How we were playing this. Well, we're not good at we're golf. Like Sawgrass. What were we playing? We we're doing a virtual course on Top Golf. Like Pebble but we Beach could not hit the right? fairway. I figured mm-hmm. out how to drive though, Corey. So October fourteenth, you better be ready. Jared's okay. going to be there. You better be there. Uh, we'll see. What? Um, he back won't be to there. this. I'm about um, to replace you. Well, Kunrat's got to be there. You'll switch. The he's, switch wait, he's waiting for the invite. Well, maybe you should extend it to him. Um, uh, Aaron and I got two. Joe got three for the win of the week. Hey, how many did I get? You got zero. You got nice. zero, Jared. Nice. Uh, so at the bottom is me and Jared with 49. Also below 500 now. Uh, Joe's got 51, Aaron's got 54, and we mm. are going to start this week off with the Cardinals at Padres. Two teams not really in the race. 
Um, the somebody else needs to pick these matchups because I'm never I'm never very excited about a few of them. Uh, but we haven't talked about the Cardinals in a while, so let's talk about them for a little bit. Uh, they're probable pitchers. I went through them before we got on the pod. Our guys by the name of Dakota Hudson, Joe's favorite pitcher, Crash. Jake Woodford, Crash. Crash. and Drew Rom, which is Crash. an O away <laughs> from a legendary OOTP player. Um, since I since all of the guys are apparently trash, I'm going to take the Padres. Give me the Cardinals. Red Give means leader. If the Cardinals trot out the lineup that they did tonight, I don't know if you guys could hear that whistle I just did, but that was a that was a whistle of an elite lineup. So I'm going with Cardinals, baby. Yeah. Uh, we got the old knuckleballer going, and Michael Walker. You're voting against Michael Walker, Joe. I'm going. Hey, I have. I I've always liked Walker, but yeah, I'm voting against him. All righty, um, we've got a pretty important battle of the AL West here with the Mariners Rangers. Uh, we have all taken the Mariners the past two weeks and gotten it wrong both times. I didn't so vote for him this week. I'm mad at him. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on Sue. You. Fool me three times. I'm going to try and not let that happen. I'm taking the Rangers. Mariners. Yep, I threw them in my top five. What did I say? Pitching whip and OPS. Go Mariners. Mm, I was going to try to core and go Texas so that either way I'm happy. Because if Mariners doing? win, that's what I really want. But if Texas wins, I get the point well, here. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what you want. What you really, really want. I'll tell you tell me why I want what I really want. I think you want the Mariners to win. I think that's what you just said. So I'm picking the Rangers. All, All right. right. <laughs> Go look. Next up. Um, Got some pretty decent, you know, playoff implications. The Marlins are still hanging around. And then the Brewers have a pretty solid lead on the Central. Um, I want the Brewers to beat the Marlins because then the Cubs have less to worry about because they've got quite a few teams to worry about right now. And not worrying about the Marlins would be great. So I'm going to take Milwaukee. Give me... Miami. Does Cueto have anything left in the tank? What's that guy's numbers looking like? He keeps I mean, getting I'm, hurt, so he hasn't pitched that much, really. I'm taking Milwaukee. Terrible. Ami, Ami. Uh, he's got an ERA lower than... Anybody on Cardinals? Okay, okay. <laughs> so, it's a 6.2 right now. Uh, next up, the another good division matchup: the Blue Jays at Rays, duking it out for second and or wild card and or maybe first still. Um, I still don't. I've I've talked about how much I don't like the race the past I don't know month, and they still have won. Actually, I started the whole pod off talking about how I didn't like the race, and then they won. 12 straight games. So I'm take the Blue Jays because 
Why change my mind now? Because they're think good. They would have. Yeah, they're good and prove you wrong, and you just eat your words. So I'll take the Rays. Did you say the Toronto is still fighting for first place? I don't know. He's man. being Tampa. He meaning Tampa is fighting first place. Uh, I think weird. he meant yeah, Toronto. It, it sounded weird, but <laughs> okay. I'm going with Tampa. Toronto. All righty, and then the highly touted side note: Always. Toronto. Side note: Toronto. Yasoi Kikuchi is my spirit animal. Did you guys see his interview? Yeah. He says he needs 13 to 14 hours of sleep per day. And he (laughs) pitched bad the other day, so he got 11. Yeah. (laughs) And he was serious. That that sounds nice. (laughs) Jeez. Um, Anyway, the highly touted, always anticipated battle of the Sox. Are you on Team White? Are you on Team Red? I'm on Team White. uh, Because I like Dylan Cease. They actually have a better pitching set up. Yeah. I know. It's, I mean, it's not. No, nobody's great here. But <laughs> Tukey, we're doing our best here. Yeah, Tukey with a thirty-five point two percent win probability. Team Red. All right. Why did I think Clevenger went to Cleveland? He started in do- Cleveland. He's been there before. Who did Cleveland pick up? Giolito. 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 Matt Moore. Matt Moore's back in Miami now, though. Matt Moore went to Miami again. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'll go Boston. That's awful. Man, I love Tukey. I want to vote. I want to vote Tukey, but it just. It's hard. That White Sox team's bad. Yeah, some, somebody red. picked him to win the division. Jared. I'll go Red Sox. Okay. Uh, so we've got three with the Red Sox down by the harbor. And then we've got <laughs> the uh, Blue Jays and Rays split. Brewers and Marlins split. Rangers and Mariners split. And Padres and Cardinals split. So that was a fun one. Um, I are those splits all mixed and matched? Like, are the same two people pick the um, same every it time? Looks like everybody's a little different. Uh, yeah. Jared and Joe are very similar, except they switched on the Marlins and Brewers. Uh, you and I are kind of sim- we had the fir- same first two picks. Yeah. I mean, like we're all we're all over the place, happen. man. Good deal. Well, I- um, so we'll see how we do. We're we're winding down on matchups, but then you know what we get to do? We get to pick. We get to do series postseason predictions. Playoffs. Be a little bit more. I um, might have a chance then. So you're saying there's a chance? The Braves are out in the first round series. Hey, one more homer, guys. And we're going to see it. Is he going to get the other three stolen bases? That's what I'm more concerned about at this point. That's I'm interested in. How much is he going to run? But Cunha... Blasted Homer 38 and 39 yesterday. Um, 100 RBIs, 67 steals. Leave meeting. Okay. You let, hey, where's you, that button you, again? You talk about postseason. Yeah. Where's the exit button? I, I'll give you the exit right after you. Don't forget to. Rake. Wow. Rake. Rake. Rake.
Gore. Griffey Jr. Hosted by Kendall. Oh no. Dude, I've watched that all day.